This CosmicReality.com presentation is sponsored by MysticalWares.com. Welcome to the Cosmic Reality Radio Show, where our hearts are our masters. Your hosts are Nancy L. Hopkins and Walt Silva. Producing the show is Colleen Kelly. The theme song is called Disturbance and is written and performed by Renate Jack and Jack Music. You are listening to Wolf Spirit Radio at WolfSpiritRadio.com. Emotionally undercover for a lover overdressed. The cycle is created long before you start to think that the brain is your decision what you do. No clue for the food fighter. She had a lot of the uh, hosts just quit when Dave died. They they had been there for him and um, couldn't really see Wolf Spirit continuing without him. Uh, what they didn't know is that Dave was still here, <laughs> as we have found out in innumerable times. Um, so she had lost a lot of her uh, live hosts, and uh, I said, well, do you need somebody? Because I really wanted to support the station, I believed in it. I believed in the message. I believed in the energy. Uh, everything has an energy, and I just feel very at home and comfortable in the wolf spirit arena. Um, I've been on other shows. They're delightful, they, but they're not the same. They're not the same energy. Um, and, you know, so I, I'm drawn to it. And I said to her, you know, if you want, I'll do, I'll do a, uh, a weekly show with you. And I didn't know that she really didn't know all the ins and outs of producing. I knew very little about any of the radio part of it. So we started out together, and um, that was somewhere in December of 2014. And I'm not exactly sure when, when we started the show. I started going back over the archives, Colleen, and I, like, I just started with the one that was on, um, that I did on consciousness. I'm not sure what was happening before then because I wasn't keeping as detailed notes on each of the shows as I do now. Um, but, I mean, that, that's how it started, right, Colleen? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, and yeah, I did volunteer to help produce. Um, of course, I didn't realize at the time what all was involved, <laughs> and that's probably a good thing. Um, and uh, tonight, I guess the first, very first part of this show, they didn't hear for some reason. They're the, not hearing this, this show? They're hearing it now, but the first few minutes they didn't. It wasn't for some reason coming through. Well, now, isn't this good? Because this is just like what we were encountering when we started out. Sure the <laughs> heck is. I was like... Deja vu. <laughs> oh, that, that's too funny. Uh-huh. But, yeah, that is um, pretty much how it all started. And um, I'm not sure how somebody had asked me to produce you. And I was like, um, okay. Because up until that point, I was just doing, like, replays and all that kind of stuff. And Dolly's show, you know, just Dolly was reading, and that was cool. And But I had not 
produced anybody else. And, of course, I knew Dolly really well, but I didn't really know you much. And so I said, okay, sure. <laughs> and, you know, we had all kinds of problems uh, with everything uh, production-wise starting out. And then it kind of settled out until tonight. <laughs> well, um, when I got into it, I didn't even know what I really was going to do. I mean, okay, I got the show, but what am I going to do? And so the first couple of shows, I think, I don't even know if they're recorded or not, but they were probably about Shanghai. As, as best as I can imagine, because that's what I was into at the time. Mm-hmm. But then I put together a, um, oh, because we were having so many production problems, I put together a tape, uh, which even now I consider one of the better shows because it delved into the concept of consciousness. And I took uh, a segment uh, concerning the little boy who remembered actually had nightmares, was waking up as a, as a toddler uh, with nightmares of being shot down in an aircraft. And I played the AB, ABC, I think it was, it had the, um, <clears throat> the TV segment and that they were replaying on YouTube. And we talked about, I talked about um, reincarnation, particularly with children, because children, the, the, their imagination has not been uh, destroyed. And so they're more willing to think about things or let things happen in their heads and go with it, not just put them out. Um, they don't have really probably a lot of the ability to do that. So when they're starting to get pictures of a past life, they're reacting to it as if it's real because it is real. Um, but then I went into a, uh, it was a, a tape with a discussion between, uh, Deepak Chopra, Chopra and another guy whose name I'm going to not remember and he was a, uh, an anesthesiologist and they were discussing consciousness and they were the anesthesiologist was had been working with a quantum physicist because he got it in his head he really got into what was happening when he was putting people under for like an operation he said for all practical purposes, I've killed them. They're dead. You know, technically they're, they're just at the, at the, you know, there's a, a lifeline, but they're really very close to, to being clinically dead. And so he got fascinated with the concept of if the body is so close to death, uh, where's the consciousness? What happens to it? And it was a fascinating discussion that also discussed the concept of quantum entanglement because what happens is that you have a an aha moment it's like oh my gosh you know you you can't and you we've all had them you know you finally get something and it was his contention that that aha moment is what remains as our consciousness what we build on in this framework of of conscious development it's those aha moments and they he was really i mean he got into some very interesting thing like experiments they did with llamas to determine because they were able to determine by the way the brain would be measured on their measuring devices that oh wow this is an aha moment there would be a change of frequency 
So they began to look at um, a group of llamas and to test them out. You mean and like they, Dalai Lama type da- llamas and yes, not llamas? Yes, 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 okay, yes, okay. yes, yes, well, people llamas. <laughs> okay. And what they discovered is that they were having these aha moments in a much, much greater uh, numbers than an average person was. Uh, they and and he gets into where is this energy and he he understood it to be energy. He called it uh, that we have proto consciousness, proto energy, and it was just a fascinating <clears throat> research into the energy behind consciousness. And is that what is brought forth into the future when you have uh, a child who can remember a past lifetime? And then I had this segment with, um, gosh, her name just went through my head and out again. Um, she's a neurosurgeon who had a stroke. And she realized because she was a neurosurgeon what was happening to her brain, even though she didn't realize it was a stroke. She was like, what is happening here? But she was able to follow it. And she, very detailed and very emotionally charged with a lot of aha, 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 realized that she had two brains. There was like two personalities, the right side, the left side. And when she was in the left side of her brain, she's going like, oh, my gosh, what's happening to me? Maybe I'm having a stroke. Oh, then she goes through the clinical analysis of it. But when she would sort of move into the right side of her brain, she was like, oh, my God, this is wonderful over here. I love this place. (laughs) Uh, Joyce, Joy, oh gosh, I wish, Jill, Jill, all right, the rest of it will come in a second. But she was just absolutely the best example of, because she was a neurosurgeon, because she was coming from a, a really powerful understanding of what happens neurologically in the brain, to be able to explain the two sides of human beings. And I've never, ever really walked away from that that particular show because a lot of what has guided me is this idea of the two aspects of the brain, the fact that it's aha moments and the aha moments takes a a thought, a learning, something, experience, and because it is recognized as being aha it gets a frequency, and that frequency attracts to its other frequencies of the same the same frequencies on other thoughts, and it comes together as a consciousness, as a as a body of knowledge for a human being. And one of the things the neuro uh, the anesthesiologist said was that the amount of energy it takes to maintain this consciousness, because I mean he went down and talked about the microtubulars where the consciousness energy is is being held, um, that it takes such little amount of energy to actually hold that consciousness together that you can have the body die and the consciousness is probably still going to hang on. And that's why you have afterlife experiences where people are brought back. You know, the consciousness hangs around and says, well, are they going to live or are they going to die? Oops, we're going to live. Okay, back in. Boom. No problem. Just like he, what happens when he wakes somebody up from the anesthetics. Um, when he wakes them up, you know, it's this like, you know, well, where were you? 
whoa, I don't know, you know. Um, and I've had that kind of same feeling. I had to, um, I had an emergency procedure because I was having an internal bleeding. And it was one of those situations where, except for the fact I was bleeding, I felt fine. <laughs> but they gave me something, a drug, that as they gave it to me, they also handed me some papers to sign. And I do not remember finishing my signature on it. Before the next thing I knew, I was waking up in the bed and everything had been done. And, I mean, they scoped me down from the mouth down and then they did a colostomy on me too to to just see what what was happening. But what what it, and it was probably that proto, proto, that, that stuff that killed Michael Jackson is probably the same thing. But this, this really slammed me because it was like, what, I mean, I had no recollection whatsoever, and these people were manhandling my body. <laughs> you know? And I also woke up without the feeling of any kind of a drug in me. It was just like waking up. Um, so that, that particular show, um, really did make an impact on the way that I began to look at a lot of things. Uh, do you remember that? Because that was way back. That was a year, year ago. Yeah, I remember. Um, and then I followed that with um, Spirits. It was December, um, right before Christmas, 16th. And I, I read my Santa Claus story, the story I tell every every year. And we, I talked about spirits and humans, human and spirits and animals. And I really don't have any recollection of what that show was about, except for that, those notes. And then the next week, January 6th, we talked about good versus evil and the shrinking shungite thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You remember that? That was, that was really a very, I don't remember the, the part we talked about good versus evil, but I know that somewhere along there, I had not really given too much notice, let's say, to the concept of evil entities that are really out there bent on doing evil. I just figured it was confused human beings, a few psychopaths thrown in there, you know, a few sociopaths thrown in there, but that I didn't, really want to commit to the concept of evil but there were so many different stories and different i don't know what's that made me begin to think well maybe there is some kind of an evil agenda out there um the details of that show i i don't really remember but the shrinking shungite was was pretty awesome because that was a i'd gotten this is when we first started getting the bricks and the bricks go from, you know, a pound up to, I think seven pounds was the biggest one that I actually saw. And the one that we, that was the first one pulled out happened to be like five pounds of shungite. And it looked like a pendant. It looked like a huge pendant. And Stephanie Dietz's sister, Kristen, said to me, well, you should wrap it as a, as a, as a pendant. Well, I had some um, copper tubing that I had been working with. It was a quarter-inch tubing like you'd see on the uh, intake to a, a toilet. So it was that size small, you know, and I said, well, right, maybe we can do this. So I take this 10 feet of <laughs> of the the copper tubing, and she's holding the, the pendant, pendant, the brick, and I'm wrapping it like a pendant. So we had put it, 
we had hung it up on uh, a hook that's just off of the ceiling in my house. And I would look at it, and it was a really, it was, that was the first, uh, Shanghai generator that I actually played with. Um, I started making other ones, but this was like a, a, you know, a huge pendant that was, every time you take a nugget of Shanghai and you wrap it in wire, uh, spiraling it, you're spiraling energy. Orgon energy is following the wire. In a, and because of how long it is, it's in a specific frequency. There's a lot of things that go into into just a pendant. It's it's not so much a piece of jewelry as it is really a um, device, an energy device. Well, so this thing had been sitting up there, and I mean, I, it, it was pretty compelling. I would find myself staring at it quite often. And it was um, somewhere around there. I think it I think it had actually been New Year's Eve that this happened or not new year's eve but at first it was right around the first of the of the year uh the girls are back the deets girls are back and harley was here and of course i was here and we started to take pictures of the pendant with harley wearing it and we were just messing around and so we're taking a series of, of of pictures while we're messing around and then when Harley reached with the pendant back up to put it back where it was supposed to be, I'm looking at it and I'm going like, there's something wrong with that. What's wrong with that? And I, my eye was telling me something was wrong, but I couldn't pick it up initially. And then I realized that the dang thing had shrunk. Now, it wasn't like the, 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 the wrapping had gotten bigger. That was, there was no indication of that. There was definitely an indication that the rock inside of it had it had gotten smaller, appreciably smaller. And we actually have a series of photographs that show it where it was, and then an instant later, like it just got smaller. Um, I don't, to this day, know exactly what happened. It only did it that once. It never continued to get smaller. It's it's still the same size it was after that boom, you know. Um, but again, it was one of those... Crazy stories that were happening with shungite. Shungite was, it's a mineral. It's kind of like coal. You know, yes, it has this ability to clean water, but, you know, oh, well, yeah, it also seems to block electromagnetic and Wi-Fi. What's this all about? But the magic that happens with shungite, where you don't expect it to do something and it does something that has no explanation, is what really started opening up my mind to the magic. Um, it, it just does some magical things. And one of those things, I think, was bringing Walt into the picture. Because it was around that time that um, that Walt was actually, we were working with him. And the only reason that he came into the picture was because somebody had sent him to... Um, the radio show, one of the radio shows I had done with JP, and he absolutely understood what I was saying about the Shungite. So he made the first Shungite resonator and then informed me. Somebody did. Somebody pasted. He, he, he did a, pasting, a posting on uh, Facebook, and then somebody sent me to it. And I was like, who is this guy? I need to talk to this guy. <laughs> and when I started talking to him, he was the... The person who could take what I had in my mind and explain it to me. 
why that would work. And that's what Walt brought to the table. And plus the fact that, um, he could do it and with such intense knowledge of organ energy. He, he had been sent on a, a journey through life to learn about energies. And one of those energies is organ energy. One of those energies is the, what happens to energy when it's spiraling. Um, he understood frequencies. He works with a pendulum. He works with guides. He's a shamanic journeyer. Now, the reason that I ever got even into the Shanghai was because I had written the book Cosmic Reality, thought I had finished it, realized I didn't, went back to my original notes and realized I had not discussed the concept of uh, creator consciousness, which was, it goes by different names, but it, and, and there's a number of different disciplines that have looked at the same question. What is, how, do, how did this creation thing really happen? You know, not worried about the God into it or the Darwin into it, just like, you know, well, no, how, how does this happen? And a lot of it was being generated by concepts at the, that were being developed by uh, quantum physicists uh, over the years because it became apparent that when you got down into the smallest part of the universe, of our universe, the 3D universe, you have a situation where human thought actually interacts with what's happening. And that was one of the biggest, and probably to this day, is the most explosive and profound learning that, that quantum physicists actually have brought to the table. So there was this concept that you cannot have manifestation without consciousness. And that consciousness being human thought. I mean, there was different ways of of saying it, but the, you know, it, it sort of came out to human thought. You have to have human thought. But going back, you also have to have some kind of a consciousness that manifests everything. So each of these disciplines, and I, I was like, I, I followed them all and every, you know, enough to get to understand what they were, were going for. They all seemed to come to the same conclusion that there was a creator consciousness that was responsible for the biosphere that we know as of Earth. And that that consciousness has actually grown over the many, many millennium of being in existence from a gas consciousness to a molten consciousness to a, a planetary kind of consciousness with a, the crust starting to form. And then it, it wanted to experience life. And so life in all of its varieties is the next thing. And then we get to humanity. And, but each one of those changes in the biosphere, the development of the biosphere was actually a change in the consciousness of the creator consciousness. Uh, at that point, when I went back to the book and was putting this all together and writing about it, I began to use the word Gaia. And I think I had used it like three times before I said to myself, what, what is this word? Why am I using it? Because I, I was sort of familiar with it, but I never used it. I had never said it. So I looked it up, and it turns out that it's the uh, Greek goddess for Mother Earth. And, I, you know, I'm okay, I'm going to call her Gaia. Um, and apparently, the, the universe is an energy universe. Energy follows geometry. Magic is simply the manipulation of energy. 
If you know how to manipulate energy, it's because you understand the concepts of geometry. And one of the things that I brought with me as a child is this. When I had geometry, I never really understood how you got to the answers. I just knew the answers. It was just like they'd show me something, I'd know the answers. Show me no, show me no. Now, now I don't have that capability, but then as a kid I did. And thank God I had a teacher that um, didn't really question it. You know, she was like a very, very uh, astute woman who said, well, you got the answers and that's what they want, so go with it. You know, I'm not going to try to fight with you to figure out how you got the answers. You know, you get them. So, you know, God bless you and off you go. <laughs> so being able to see in those terms, in terms of geometry, um, kind of like set my mind up so that when I became an electronic warfare officer in the uh, 1970s, I could also understand the way that energy worked because energy just follows the geometry. Those learnings allowed me, along with being led down the, the path of knowing uh, minerals, I had a huge mineral collection. I had been dealing with them um, for a long time. And when I saw when I met Shungite, I realized this is something different. I have never seen anything like this in my life. So by that time, understanding there was a supreme for this environment. Now, that I, again, I will specify that I do believe in a source God. I'm not saying that Gaia is responsible for everything. I'm saying Gaia is responsible for this biosphere, and she is a creator consciousness God. But there is a source God. I I honor the source God, but right now the only thing that matters to me is that we we help, help Gaia get to a point where she can take this next leap in consciousness that I don't think she can take without us, and we certainly can't take it if she doesn't. And that leap, I was led to understand, is shamanistic consciousness, which means when when you're truly engaged in the teachings of shamanism, you realize it's all energy. You realize that magic is the manipulation of energy. And you have techniques that are taught to you to be able to do just that. So the universe for a shaman is layers of energy. The lower earth, the middle earth, the higher earth. And when you get somebody that's also a metaphysical, has more, then you're talking about even more levels that we actually deal with. I think the shamans do too. But I know of the etheric world. I know of the, the multidimensional worlds. I think they did too. But their teachings that we are allowed to see, um, is, is a limited look at what reality really is, probably to the shamans. But the key to their consciousness level is that they're not stuck in the mud. They can actually, when a shaman, uh, allow, when a shaman allows himself to, or herself, to flow into the body of a crow, they actually are in that crow. They understand crow consciousness. When they look at a flower, they can get inside, they can feel what it's like to be the flower. It's a ability to 
just let yourself experience all sorts of aspects of life. And the reason I thought that that would be the next level of consciousness is from the standpoint of Gaia herself. So Gaia creates, um, you know, the, the amoebas and then, and then the, the, the little vegetable or vegetation and, and then, well, then we get the fishes and the mammals and then the humans. When she's doing all that, a bear only knows a bear. A rose only knows a rose. Each one of these new creations only knew what it was to be themselves. A human being. Well, that gets a little complicated because of all the mucking around that they're doing with our minds. But because I can honestly say that a lot of human beings do not know what it's like to be themselves because they've never been there. But in a human being, to take the next step, assuming that you got to the first step of knowing who you are, of feeling your limitations, your barriers, your your desires, and and you're not being manipulated by your society or by the the black side that uses now electromagnetic Wi-Fi energies to even compound the problem. But if you get to the point of yes, I know who I am. I I know I feel myself. I know myself. I know what I think. I'm, I'm in charge of my own reality. The next step is to be able to really expand your consciousness to understand what it's like to be a bear, to be a crow, to be another person, to be able to see what it's like from their their vantage point. Now, when you get into the people thing, it's very difficult for a shaman to really, you know, completely merge with a human as you would merge with a crow. But it's shamanistic consciousness. It's the ability to see beyond your own limited reality so i asked guy i said guy i really i i need somebody that can understand the shamanistic mind i need somebody that can well there's this young guy four months after i committed to be subservient to the needs of, of gaia gaia gave us shungite so at that point, I was getting all this information on Shungite, and I said, you got to give me somebody that can understand what's in my head and make it something 3D. Make a device out of what I'm seeing in my head. It's the old geometry giving me answers, but I don't know how I got there. Now I need to know how I got there. And uh, I also had a computer problem, so I needed somebody that would fix my computer. So lo and behold, she gives me Walt, Walt Silva. He just sort of... Shows up on the scene, and uh, he's a, he's a, he's been doing shamanic journeying. He completely understands uh, energy universe and how it how it works, and uh, he also fixes computers. <laughs> so that got my attention, and I thought, whoa, this guy uh, is really very efficient. And it was with mo- meeting Walt that I think I got to a point of absolute knowing. Yeah, this is right. Because you don't take somebody like me and somebody like him and manipulate everything to get us together in the same page without it being right. Somebody's manipulating something. Is it ourselves needing the other person to be able to fulfill a mission? Probably. Is it higher self? Dictating what needs to be done? Probably. Is it Guy herself saying, well, I need this Walt here and I need Nancy here and I need to put them together and, and get this thing done? Probably. Because everything is probable if it, if you can't 
figure out if it's more or less. It's all probable. Everything's probable. And that is another thing that I learned was everything is probable. It's all in our heads. It's all in the way we look at things. If you can simply take charge of the way your brain is working. A good number of us never even think about how we're thinking. We just think. Maybe it's a little schizophrenic. Maybe you have to be a little schizophrenic to sit there and say, why did I just think that? Or maybe people don't care. I do. I have always been fascinated with the way my mind was working. Now, that might come from um, a lot of reasons, but I know that one of the the real educational tools that was given to me was a paper route. When I was, you know, between 9 and 11, I had a paper route that i get on the bike, and it wasn't too many houses, but the houses were pretty far apart. So it would take me an hour and a half after school to, to do this. And to keep myself occupied, now at that time, we had just recently gotten a television. I think I was nine years old before we ever got a television. Mom was always taking us to the library. Once a week, we'd go to the library so we could replace the books. And she was a real advocate of reading. If you were playing with your your playmates, it was all imagination. Uh, you know, it was, it was always imagination. It was like everything, even though, even though, you know, you're playing in the sand pit behind the house with your friends, they're the cowboys, we're the Indians, they're the Indians, they're the cowboys. You're always playing games in your heads. When I got the paper route, I started to write stories in my heads, my head. So I was given this incredible nurturing to be imaginative to just let my mind play out in front of me. And that was probably the difference in why I look at life so differently than most people do. That I do see it is reality is what I think it is. Because I allow my brain, my mind, to imagine, imagine this, imagine that. And unfortunately, in today's society, that has been concertedly taken away from the children. And, you know, they got an imaginary friend. Oh, no, 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 you don't. You know? Well, maybe they do. But if you are allowing imagination to grow and be nurtured, you are giving control to the human being, to the individual. And that's not what the black side wants. They want to control us all. I still don't know why. It seems like an awful lot of bother. I don't know what they think they're getting out of it. Um, but that that's, you know, I'm just rambling here because, like, I'm, I'm just going back over the, the those shows that started us out on this, this journey and the the factors that sort of came into it. Because... It soon became apparent to me that we were with Walt and his relating shamanic journeying and what we were discovering about the Shungite, that we were entering into a field of knowledge that honestly is not 
followed by very many or any. It's one that is firmly based in science, and science that we do, in fact, understand. But it's also being driven by imagination. So we challenge the science. You know, well, what if we did this? What will happen? Oh, look at that. We challenge the imagination by saying, um, What's a gin? What's a gin? Do you know what a gin is? I don't know what a gin is. Do you, do you, nobody knows what, okay, Simon's talking about them. I don't really know what they are. They're, so they're bad guys. Oh, they're ones in the genies. Oh, alright. And Walt says, well, I'll just take a shamanic journey and find out who they are. And he does. <laughs> and then he comes back and he says to me, well, you know, I know where the gin are and I know who they are. And so then because I'm a remote viewer, he can, um, and because I, I discovered this that when, as a remote viewer, I really need something to anchor me into wherever I'm going. Um, when the space uh, uh, the space shuttle blew up, it uh, the Challenger when it when, when it blew up, it was like I was drawn to it because of the emotional impact of everybody else being drawn to the same point. When he goes on a shamanic journey, because I am so uh, emotionally tied to the fact that. We have this mission together. He acts like an anchor. So I can essentially go to wherever he's doing the journey. And time doesn't exist, so don't time isn't there. I can actually go to where he's doing the, the shamanic journeying because both are all occurring within the etheric, the energy field that is the blueprint for the 3D. So I go into the, to the gin um, area too. And yes, what he saw, I could see him seeing. And what he saw was on the, it was in like a cavern, like a, like a big cave, but it was, there was no top. Well, there was a top, but it was a very high top. So, but there was this wall and he said that there were symbols on the wall, but they were floating in front of the wall. And yeah, I, from the angle that I was, cause I see him in the picture. I see him taking the trip. I said, well, what's he talking about? And so then I, I, I changed my position so that I could also see what he was seeing. And yes, there were these floating symbols, but they weren't attached to the wall. They were like floating in front of it, which was kind of an interesting thing. But we, he had already determined that these were something to do with tone, uh, sound. And we had also started understanding more about sound during this, this time frame too. So we also had, just, had learned how to make etheric devices. So what we did was, um, he put up a, an etheric uh, life pyramid, which is the three-sided pyramid. And anytime a, a sorcerer would use a sound, which was really the name of the djinn to control, the, another sound would counteract it and destroy its uh, cohesiveness. It would just pfft, break the sound. And so when this thing went up, all of a sudden, all of the sounds that had been controlling so many djinn was canceled and there were gin all over the place waking up, like, oh my God, what, what just happened? And so we started working with the gin. It took another three trips, or two, two other trips, there was three altogether, in order to get them all freed because we discovered that some of them were trapped in, in, uh, iron rings that sorcerers were using to trap them. Um, some of them were, were, were trapped in what they were doing and had not understood in their own beingness that they were freed. 
uh it, it was just it was a very interesting kind of um of but anyway we ended up with the jinn who are etheric beings who are critically important to maintaining the health of the nature spirit world they are the the nature spirit world are kind of like 3D and etheric, but really more 3D than etheric, even though we can't seem to see them. But but that's only because their frequency is faster than we can see. So like fairies and elves and things like that. Yes, yes. Okay. The 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 um, gin work on the etheric only. Um, and and but they they kind of like are the ones that are giving structure. To it all, I don't know how to explain it better than that because I've not actually gotten my finger on what it is, but I know that once they became free, immediately the elementals began to become much stronger. Hmm. So, um, are Jin elementals? No, they're not elementals. They're actually etheric beings. They they don't have a, they're they, they can they can manipulate the three D. But they don't actually live in the 3D. Whereas elementals are very much 3D, even though we don't see them, because they have etheric energies associated with them, like Bigfoot. Bigfoot is the same sort of character, in that um, they can just change their frequency and disappear. That's why they seem to just, you know, be there and then they're not. Is they're um, operating in? They could change their frequency, so we see things as solid because we're all vibrating at the same frequency. Uh, the best way to explain it is if if I was standing on a on a track, you know, like a, a, a one of those athletic tracks, and you were running around the track. If I was running beside you, we could have a conversation. But if I stop running and I'm standing, then the only time we can talk is just before you get to me, while you get to me, and then when we pass me. If you were running really fast, I wouldn't even see you go by because you would be running in a frequency that was much faster than my frequency to be able to perceive. And that's what happens with the jinn, is that the jinn are really etheric beings, so you can't, you have to go to the etheric to see them. Um, it would be... I suppose people might somehow or another think that they're seeing a djinn in 3D where they're seeing a shadow figure or something like that. I don't think that's possible with a djinn. I think other spiritual stuff can have that. You can read that. But if somebody says to me, oh, I saw a djinn, I don't think so, unless you're in the etheric. In the etheric, they're very... They will take on, like a, for a shamanic journeying, uh, a journey, journey, a person journeying on a shamanic, in a shamanic way, um, they would take on a look that the shamanic person would see either is awful to frighten them, you know, they can take on different forms. When I see them, I see them as energy spirits that, you know, it's, it's, I, I, it's hard to explain, but they're almost like, like the, um, like smoke, like like figures of smoke and stuff, but they always have the same look to them. They always have the same shape. Um, but Walt will see them as human beings almost. So they have the ability in the etheric to take on different forms, but I don't see them doing it in the third dimension. 
in the third dimension where you have the elementals, the fairies, um, the uh, divas, the, all of the little creatures. Um, Silp, snip. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different names. And the the story goes that for every plant that you have in your garden or in your yard, every plant has an associated elemental. So if you want a lot of fairy life in your yard, you bring in different um, plants. Hmm. And that kind of makes sense to me. Um, but once you begin to, to feel comfortable with these kind of concepts... Um, look, at, I can't prove that all of this is true. I can prove some of it's true. But it really, the the people that are telling you that everything in your reality is this way or the other, they can't prove it to you true either because it's not true. I mean, in my, in my reality, it could be true or not true, you know. But over there, what they're telling you is definitely not true. You know, there is no benevolent government. There is no IRS that takes your money and puts it into to things for the United States. That money ends up with the Vatican. Yeah, I know that sounds crazy. But it's true. There is no Republic of America anymore. It's the United States Corporation. You know, they have been telling us lies after lies after lies. They've told us history that's not true science. They keep from us the true science. So everything that is in the old reality is provably not true. Not all of it, of course, but the vast important things, (laughs) the main pillars of it. And so when Walt and I began to... Well, we were given... We actually were given devices, energy devices. He'd go on a journey and he'd come back and he'd have this thing in his head that he had to build and he only knew how to build it. He didn't know how to operate it or what it was. And he would send it to me and then I've got it and I'm going like, okay, what is this thing for? And we were given tools to build a new reality before we understood what these tools, before the intention of building a new reality came about. We were actually given the tools. We were given the um, the cube, which is an incredibly powerful device that essentially takes energy and grounds it into a specific space. Is the best way I can explain it. Because what happened was that okay, we got this old reality, we got this space over here that's not being used for anything. So let's use this space and we'll create a new reality. So we got this new reality space, and it was the cube that was anchoring this space that said, you know, like, this is this is the new reality, and, and if you're not Walt and Nancy, you stay out of it. Just stay out of this space. This is our space. We're building in it. And so then we were given the um, a radionics box that was, the circuitry <coughs> in it was based on shungite. So... It's not just like a radionics box that works to manipulate energy. This was a something that was working to manipulate energy with a shungite field that's being fed by the quantum field, which makes it that much more powerful. And that linked in with a crystal computer thing that I didn't even know I was building, but over the years I 
had this big slab of quartz, um, and I just kept putting rocks on it. And there's emeralds. There's every every really known rock is is you know that you would normally find in a store is in this pile. And when we started, when I started working with the uh, radionics box, I realized that the radionics box, along with another device given to us, the Shungite spiral, turned on these crystals. All of a sudden, they just turned on. The energy was like whoosh, whoom. You know, I'm going like, whoa, what is this? And um, I'm told it's it's a computer. It's a crystal computer, which they have they have built crystal computers in the 3D. We know that that's the way to you know to for massive amount i mean a quartz crystal if if it's used like a a drive like a memory drive it would have more memory capability than anything you can even imagine it's the next they, they were talking about the uh, crystals being the next computers way back in the uh, in the 80s right after i got out of the military um some of the people well, i wasn't out of the military but I was out of the active duty some of the people that I had met that were working in uh, research and development in Virginia in this uh, place you wouldn't know because I don't remember the name of it, but it was one of their secret sites that they would kind of like put in a residential or university area, and it was really a government facility of, you know, high, high classified information going on there. And it was a research and a development organization, and they were already working with the concept of, uh, crystals being the next generation of computers. That was back in the 80s. So you gotta figure that, that they've got them. Um, but understanding the full implications of what they were giving us as devices, that led us to the belief that, well, so we should be able to build this, this, this other reality. And we can build a space that's got all these energies in it. For what we want to be in the new reality. And, um, it sounded good to us, so we decided to start doing this. Plus the fact that he was getting downloads of, uh, different spirals that would have different frequencies. And so he's making these spirals and we're putting them in the, uh, what was called the, uh, reality dialer, the radionics box. And these would been then sent through the computer system and then to the cube that's outside in the yard. And when we put that cube out there, there was two other people with me. When I, when I put it out there, it was vibrating at such a, a, a high rate. It was like phasing in and out. None of us could get a sharp look. It was almost like something had gone wrong with our eyes because you, it, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, like I think it's 10 pounds of, um, resin, a cube of resin. Big sucker, you know, probably eight inches maybe, yeah, eight inches square. And we couldn't see, it, it, it. you couldn't see the edges. It was blurry, everything was blurry. And it was because it was phasing in and out so fast between the 3D and, and I don't know if it was the fifth dimension or the sixth dimension, it was, it was, I think, I don't think it was just an etheric thing, I think it was, was actually dimensional. And it took, um, well, at least, at least 12 hours before it settled down and you actually could, could see it as something 3D because otherwise it was like this energy field. It was very peculiar. And no, I didn't take any pictures. They actually tried to take some pictures, but they couldn't get it in focus at all. Um, 
I don't like to take pictures or do any kind of video of any kind of a metaphysical event because you lock it in that particular timeline. If you don't do that, if you leave it be, it can go with you wherever you go. So I don't prescribe to taking a lot of pictures. Um, anything you want to add to what I'm saying here? My ramblings? <laughs> well, you know, there's an awful lot of this I don't really know much about. But the whole thing about the cube kind of... Mm, I don't want to say puzzles, but kind of confuses. Um, cause I've read some stuff that says, you know, like the cube is, um, like a prison. But with what you were saying, that it kind of, what solidifies things, um, uh, kind of puts them in a, what a 3D dimension kind of yeah, so it, it to me manifests it maybe which would be why they say it kind of imprisons things on the earth does that make any sense what i'm saying i'm just my well, I, I, I don't understand. Of, I don't understand. What I don't understand is 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 your reference. You mean that any cube is a prison? Yeah, the the geometry of the geometry cube. of the cube. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, sort of that 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 would make sense. Um, what the cube is, it's got um, six. Yeah, six of the uh, spirals, the shungite spirals. Okay, so each face of the cube has a spiral. And then these are connected to each other. What occurs out of this is you've got this absolute perfect geometry of the cube plus the energetic reaction of the spiraling, the spirals, especially shungite spirals. It is like a prison in that it takes all those energies that we are saying we want in the new reality and holds them within this cube, the center of the cube, okay? In other words, they're pure essence of energies. Then, like a, sort of like a, a computer, you know, you got this, 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 you got this one section of your computer that's got all this data in it, which is the cube. And so, when we are building the reality, we're actually using the cube as the source of the energies that are going into the new reality. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's almost like an anchor. It's almost like an etheric blueprint. Mm -hmm. Well, let's have this in there and that in there so that when it's sort of got to look like a superstructure, you know, maybe like a, a a a big tunnel type of thing. You know, that's got all of this wonderful energies inside of it. It's like a, a drawing board of 3D energies. Here, here's the energies you want to play with. And I do believe that that's what we built. We built an area of new reality. And some of us just went there and lived there. And so you get. 
some of us over here in the new reality, while the vast majority are still in the old reality. But as we focus on this new reality, because the second rule, okay, you got the first rule, reality is what we think it is. The second rule, majority wins. Well, we spend a lot of time just thinking about this new reality, and other people are doing it also. We just happen to be doing it in this story, this this story frame, so to speak. Um, but other people are doing it by, like Dolores Cannon, talking about the new earth. Um, the Native Americans, as Barbara talks about, with the with the fifth world. There are a lot of people who are putting those those images, those thoughts, those aspirations, trying to manifest a new reality. But the way that Walt and I went about it is like, well, let's just build it. So whether or not we're building the energy structure, you know, or not, everybody else is building an energy structure to hold some kind of a new reality, a new world. Mm-hmm. And... To be, we, what we've learned over this time frame is the concept that, you know, nothing gets done if Gaia doesn't do it. But because of this concept of, you have to, to for, for manifestation of consciousness, you have to have the consciousness, but you have to have a witness in this case, and that's the human being. So, Walt and I are, and you also have to have the story for the 3D. So, we're gonna take a break right now, I think it's the top of the hour. Let's take a break, and when we come back, maybe we'll talk more about that kind of thing, because that's what I hope that we brought to our listeners, is, um, you know, the, the realization that, you know, you really can build your own reality. Okay. And we're just doing it one way that I want to continue talking about. Okay. I also have something I'm going to talk about a little bit. Oh, excellent. So, uh... We'll start with you. <laughs> okay. I'm going to put on Blackmail Gaia. And we'll be back in about almost four minutes. All right, we are back. And what is it that you would like to talk about? Well, you know, Dolly is reading, uh, mm-hmm, she sure is. Um, my lucid mind dream- has lucid gone dream- lucid dreaming, yes. My mind just went blank. And, in the book, there, this Robert Wagner is talking about, well, you know, he's been talking about lucid dreaming and how you do it. But now he's talking about telepathy. And so, um, we on Wolf Spirit Radio are going to do an experiment with me sending out an image and I've got a hair between my teeth for some reason. And uh Dottie and Vanessa and Dolly and anyone else who wants to participate in this is going to try and receive that image that we're sending out. And okay. so I've been... Um, I'm putting that image in my mind and sending it out uh, throughout the evening. And after the margarita, <laughs> no, <laughs> but it sounds good. Uh, so anyway, 
I wanted to put that out there, let other people who may have missed Dolly Reed's for you earlier today, uh, wanted to put that out there for anybody that's listening now who may want to participate in this. And I guess we're going to start doing this every week at a specific time, which will be right after your show and before Haggy reads for you. I'm going to spend a few minutes, um, uh, yeah, putting that image out there. And we're going to do it this time every week. Why were you chosen for that job? Now, uh, Rona uh, says that it's hard to hear you, me. I mean, I, she's saying it to me. It's hard to hear me? Me. Uh, you're sounding it's- fine to me. Speak and I'll let me, let me look at my level here. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Oh, no, it six. looks good. Uh, now, turn early, up your speaker, won't. <laughs> earlier today, they were having trouble hearing me, and it may be that I'm going to have to shake the crap out of my mixer or something. Well, I'm sorry if you're if it, if it's not coming over perfectly, but like it is the show that. <laughs> yeah, turn up your speakers. Let me check my levels here. Everything looks good as far as my levels and stuff go. Well, if we if there's nothing we think we can do, um, if there's more complaints, then maybe we'll do something different. But I, I haven't changed it, and I was fine on Mona's show earlier today, I think. Yeah. So. Well, I don't know. Huh. I don't know, Mona. Turn up your speaker. <laughs> um Okay, my question is, how? why were you the one chosen to send out the signal? I volunteered because we wanted to try to see, you know, because some people are better senders, some people are better receivers. Um, so I volunteered to to be sending this time around. Okay, one of the things that we discovered is that people see... Either images or words. They hear words. Mm-hmm. So when you're attempting to relay a telepathic image, you really have to be able to visualize it. Like let's say we were playing uh, with the cards. And you might want to start with cards. Because if you start with a playing deck of 52 and you start out, this is the way we started out. We started out with... Um, Colors, first off, you know, I, I, I take a deck and I'd say to somebody, okay, I'm just going to go through and I'm going to see if it's black or red and you tell me whether you think it's black or red. And when you start, when, when you start to start, sort of tune in and they're getting more hits right than they are wrong. Mm-hmm. Now sometimes you'll get an, a lot, I mean, it's 50-50. It's only red or black. And sometimes you get an, a tremendous number of wrong ones. What they've discovered in this kind of experimentation is that that person is actually a really good telepath, but they're blocking it. So they're getting a high number of hits in the negative that they're missing versus just what chance would tell you. So um, they have to be dealt with in a slightly different way to open up their minds to be able to, you know, see, the, you know, give the right answers. The other thing is um, some people seem to hear like a word. So you have to be able to visualize the color red, 
and you also have to be able to virtually spell it out in front of you, red. And different people have different ways of doing it. But to just decide on an image that you're going to pull out of the air is really so beyond any... Well, this is not an image I'm pulling out of the air. This is an actual something that I have sitting here that I can look at, close my eyes, envision it in my head, and it's a pretty simple sort of thing. Well, what I'm saying is basically that it's a training thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, somebody probably has got the picture of a, a vase or a, a little cat thing or something in their head that you might be sending out to them. But for the vast majority of people... You have to kind of like train them, get them used to being able to get quiet and open their minds so that they can see these. And if it's a random thing versus the cards, that's why the cards were so effective because once we started getting high hits in the, you know, in the colors, then we would go on to the suits. Su- suits. And then once we got them so that they knew, yeah, it's the Queen of Heart, yeah, it's the Five of, of, of Deuce, you know, I mean, of the clubs. You know, when they when they were being that, you know, yes, 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 I got it, got it, got it, got it. Then you could go into um, different images, and and you know, sometimes. Well, when we, there was like six of us, and, and if you happen to come upon them in the middle of the campus, you know, we'd look at each other, and. I'll send, you know, and and you'd send an image and see if that person could pick up the image. And that was, it, but you have to train for it, so. Well, uh, yeah, and, you know, we realized that, and so we were just, you know, going to practice and practice and practice and see what works and all that sort of thing. And at this point, I don't want to change what I've been sending out for three hours, so. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so you're going to do something after this show regarding this. Yes, but I've been doing it since since we discussed it uh, during Dolly's show, which was at 4 this afternoon. Maybe it was 5, halfway in. But, yeah, I've been, what, gearing my brain up to send this out, but I've been thinking about it and looking at it and all that kind of stuff. And I... In case there are people who are uh, receiving it and getting it, I don't want to switch horses in the middle of the stream. Yeah, well, let me give you, you'll probably remember this. Um, I was out in the yard, and I was talking to my next-door neighbor who had come into the yard, and we were at the Merkbau. We were actually looking at the uh, the reality dialer, I mean the cube. And I get this message in my head from JP, I, I don't know what the message is, except that, you know, something like call me or connect or, you know, something along those lines. But JP was definitely in my head. And it freaked me out. I thought, oh, my God, what day is it? You know, because I had a radio program, but it wasn't, no, no, this is not the early day. No, I don't know what this is. Um, but she went, I said, you know, I basically said, well, i got to go in the house because <laughs> there's something happening there. I didn't get into it with her. And when I finally got into the house and got the computer awake, all of a sudden the phone rang. And so I had to answer the phone. So then I get back into the, to the Skype. And yes, in fact, 
JP was on with a bunch of the hosts and he, and I didn't hear the message and so he said, I'll just send her a telepathic message. Okay? Yeah, now, I remember that. Okay. Now, I had gotten the message, but because of the telephone, I had been delayed in responding. Now, what I saw happen there was that Jay was convinced he could do this. And he did it. But there was an awful lot of hosts that said, oh, this is bull crap. He can't do this. And when they said that, they created a thought form that was essentially fighting against what he was attempting to do, which caused my phone to ring. Yes, it was somebody that was manipulated into calling me at exactly that time, but I don't get that many phone calls. And I found that to be fascinating. You know, it's like, okay, somebody's trying to do something that, you know, why don't you just let yourself say, well, it's possible, let's see what happens, instead of immediately dismissing it and then putting up an energy field that, in fact, could sabotage it. You know? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I just took a bite of chocolate. Ah, uh. Oh, the cat just got up on my lap. I heard. <laughs> His feet are cold. Mm. It's a it's a little cool here. I'm not sure what it is, but he's definitely he nor- normally gets up on me and he's like so hot. I'm like, oh please go away. <laughs> but um, his feet are cold. Yeah. So uh, yes, I mean that's. I, I'm glad you guys are trying this. We'll we'll you know I'll gladly try to open my mind up. But like I say, it it you have to pray. I found that. Certain people um, sent were, were like compatible; they could send signals easily. Mm-hmm. Other people just didn't. Even if you were good with one person, you might not be the same with another. Right. Well, um, we kind of felt like because you know, there's a lot of times because um, like uh, Dottie and Dolly and I've been in the chat room, this particular chat room, mm, four years. And a lot of times, we'll type the same thing at the same time. And, you know, you look up and it's like, boom, boom, boom. We're all saying the same thing. And uh, they're like, oh, my God. So we thought, we can do this. Because I think that many of us are already on the same sort of wavelengths. And... We trust each other, and that's a big thing, too, you know, that a lot of us who are members of the pack here, uh, and that includes you, that, you know, there's um, a level of trust there, and there's a connection, as we were talking about, um, what day was it, Saturday, how many of us are connected in some way. So we thought, yeah, let's give this a try. Let's, let's try this because I think we can do it. The only way you know is if you try. That's why, you know, on, on this show, we, we, we do some outrageous things just to see if it can be done. Mm-hmm. If we don't try, you don't know. Yeah, and, and don't give up. You know, the first time around, if it don't work, keep on at it because it's, it's practice. It's working that muscle, so to speak. You know, that if you, 
If you don't work it, it's not gonna work. But if you just keep at it and practice and, and trust in yourself as much as in each other, I'm pretty sure we can do this. And plus, Dave got in on it too because he was with Dolly today, of course. What did he say? Oh, he was jumping up and down about it. Yeah, we got to do this, we got to do this. And he was saying we, you know. Um, one, he's overjoyed. I'm sorry, I've still got chocolate, so you're probably hearing some strange sort of thing in my voice. But he was overjoyed that Dolly's reading this book, and honestly, it wouldn't surprise me a bit if he's not the one that pointed her to it. Because when she reads it, he's pulled up a chair and he's there with her. But he was real excited about this part of it. Um, wanting us to do this because he said that the connection will be broken and we kind of felt that that meant the internet at some point but that we can still be connected even though there's not that physical, material connector. Yes, I totally agree. So, yeah. It's, it's uh, like I say, I learned telepathy in school, in college. Not mm-hmm. because I was taught that, but because my friend... Um, we, you take six cards and you put them so that they're face up, mm-hmm. and then you have a code: man, woman, child. I don't know, insect, uh, mammal. So I don't know what the code is now, but you would pass it in a um, in just your normal conversation, where the position of the card, not what the card was, but the position of the card. And we got so very good at this that this girl Judy, I remember her name. She said, oh, can I try being the the medium? We were calling it the medium, you know, the one that could read minds and know which card you you chose. Mm -hmm. And she picked five in a row. Mm. And she did not know the game. (laughs) You know, and all of a sudden it was like, oh, my God. I mean, you know, it was like, aha, oh, my God, aha. And so then we uh, attempted to um, really find out what this was all about. And like I say, there was about six of us that were, would play with it. You know, we'd play the cards. Um, we didn't, have, now they've got the ESP cards. Well, yeah. They had them for decades, but. Well, and there used to be, I don't know if there still are, uh, websites where you would go to test your Wii, your ESP. Uh, I've since learned that those were probably some sort of government. <laughs> Yeah, that would have scared me. I don't think I ever got involved in that. Well, I did. Um, it's been several years ago. Um, and at that point, I was getting two out of three. But, you know, then I kind of got bored with it. But uh, So it kind of surprised me that I did that well on them. So. Well, the more you use it, the the better you get at it. That that's a fact. Um, when I w- went into the military, I actually chose the people. I, I because I was a, a Soviet expert 
you know, just a regular Soviet expert. When I got in the military, then I learned their military and I knew how they thought and how they operated. So I quickly became, um, well, I wrote the first program of instruction on Soviet and Warsaw Pact tactics, military tactics that was presented at the U.S. Army's Intelligence School in Fort Huachuca. So I had this a, a sort of like a unique uh, thing we were doing. We were trying to figure out something that nobody else was doing. So they created my own unit. It was myself and whoever else I decided I wanted to bring over. And I only brought the people that I had a high level of telepathy with. And I had this one major who we were working on a project and he's sitting there and I was reading a paper that he brought in that we were working on together. And he says to me, you know, he, he burst out laughing. I said, what are you laughing about? And he said, this this is the strangest office I've ever been in. He says, nobody ever says it's a complete sentence. And I said, oh, that's because we use telepathy. And oh, my God, he belly laughed then. And then a little bit, the next day or two days later, I was in his office, again, reading a document. And he started to have a, a sexual fantasy about me. <laughs> so he's going through it. I actually finished the paper before he finished his fantasizing. And then, and then I said to him, uh, you know, I did warn you that we use telepathy, and he turned bright red. I mean, bright red. And I said, let me just explain what just went through your head. And I, in detail, virtually told him what just went through his head. And he was like, oh, my God, he was embarrassed. But at the same time, he was so impressed that he said, can you teach me telepathy? And I said, yeah. I said, you seem to be very good at it because it was easy to read him. And uh, he actually became one of the better telepaths that I've worked with. But unfortunately, he became really good at it. And so he could read his his wife's mind and realize she was cheating on him. And that ended that marriage because he could read her mind. <laughs> so there are drawbacks to being telepathic. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you I, know, your opinion of me is absolutely none of my business. You know, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but that's one of the reasons that I just stopped even attempting it because um, people are. If you don't, if if you if you you can get bad readings from people because people always got things to hide. They're never totally honest, and that's what you come down to with the trust thing. Mm-hmm. So somebody's telling you something, but you're picking up the vibrations of a lie. Yep. And it might not be the actual words they're saying. It may be something that's associated with it. So it can get very confusing. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it just, I just got away from it. I used it, I used it all the time in the military because I would actually do what I called long range um, tel- telepathy, which actually turned into what they call remote viewing. I mean, that's what it was, but I just think of it as long range telepathy. And, then after I got out of there, it was like, no, I don't think I really want to know what you're thinking. Yeah, but at the same time, and I maybe this is one of the reasons Dave's wanting us to kind of do this, is uh, this state of this world these days, it might be a good thing to, a good skill to have, uh, you know, because... If things get crazy, it might be a good thing to be able to read intentions and stuff. 
my, well, my thoughts. I First off, I, I'm not really concerned about the Internet going down because the Internet is computers attached to a bigger computer. Right. And even if they took down everything that we're using now, it would not take very long for it to come back up with different computers and different servers. It's not like it's high secret information. You know, you can you can take any three computers and make them into an internet. I mean, in your house. Your house is a mini internet if you've got a network. And you just go and you, you attach the network to the net, next ne- network. And they actually have... Um, very powerful server computers that they can take out into the boonies to be able to tie in other smaller computers into a, a miniature internet. It would not, they can attempt that, but all that would do would be to piss off the world and the world would react. And I'm talking about the kids. Oh yeah? We'll just build us another one. Not a problem. Some things I don't think they want to do because also if um, if that was to happen, uh, they would lose their ability to control. Uh, d- don't under I don't underestimate the way the internet can 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 does act like a control mechanism. Well, and I think too, um, if a part of our evolution, say, is to more to realize who we are more and our own abilities that perhaps tapping into our own telepathic abilities, uh, our own way of communication by mind rather than language, uh, I think is a good thing. You know. It would probably accelerate that, yes. Yeah. I mean, because we're tapping into senses uh, that are not recognized as, you know, like the, I don't know, five senses, however many we've got, sight, touch, blah, 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 that there is, the, there are those other senses that are even more real um, in the big scheme of things. That I think it's uh, important that we all start to recognize the reality of them instead of poo-pooing them as imagination and, uh, oh, you're crazy, you know, that sort of thing. And also to teach our children that, yeah, those things are normal, natural, and should be developed rather than squashed. Absolutely. So, what were you, uh, you had things you wanted to... No, not really. I mean, <laughs> um, we, it was, it was really my way. I wanted to, uh, go over the, what we've gone over, but I wanted Walt to be here, but Walt hasn't been here for the last two weeks. And next week we have a guest on. So, I said, well, I'm just gonna talk a little bit about it anyway, because the truth of it is that the the whole radio programming, I mean, going through it, 
we we all have have learned so much from all the shows that go on from the community uh it's happening we are we even though we are awake we are awakening in even a much more expanded way even though we understand the problems we also believe there are solutions you know yes we know that reality the old reality is just a, a really going to hell and let's just make another one instead of worrying about trying to fix it. And I think that this is something that has not been tried before anywhere. Uh, that a species is expanding to such a degree that they absolutely believe that they can create a new reality and then do so that takes you know, the, the the dark side, well, you can play with that reality if you want. <laughs> Nobody's going to be there very shortly. And it's like I've said, you, we've got the timelines. If you decide to go to the right or the left, if you go to the right, that's where your focus is. So that's what maintains the timeline is your focus on it. The left one goes off for a while, but because there's nobody putting any energy into it, it just fizzles out. And I think that that's what's going to happen is that we're going to have more and more people who stop listening to and believing the old reality and start listening to people who are talking about the new reality. Mm -hmm. Now, we've talked about how in 2015 there seemed to be a great awakening um, on many levels. And I I have a friend of mine who used to live down here, moved up to North Carolina, so the only time I ever talked to him was once a year over Christmas and, you know, New Year's. And I'm talking to him. Now, this is a guy that, doesn't own a computer, you know, has, has probably never been on a computer. He's been retired for at least 20 years. And he is talking about his brother who has died in this last past year. And he's explaining what happened to him. And then he says, but you know, because he died of cancer, but he says, but you know, he says, why is it? He says, why are these people dying? He said, do you think it's that stuff they got in the air? What do they call them, chemtrails or something? You think it's that? And I'm going like, how does he know about chemtrails? Hmm. You know, where did he pick this up? It's certainly not mainstream media, and he doesn't get on the Internet. So somehow or another, somebody he met who understood this talked to him. And then he looked at the sky and said, well, that's true. I can see this crap up there. And he's made an amazing jump. And, you know, you suppose that, what are they, and he kept saying to me, what is this stuff? What are they doing with it? You know, and it's like, oh, yes, a long conversation. I don't know if I want to get into that. <laughs> but the the fact of the matter was that he knew it, and, he, and he's not a conspiracy buff. He's not somebody on the Internet. And to me, that was one of those, uh-huh, see, there is co- collaboration. There are people waking up all over the place that probably shouldn't even. But that's because we do these shows and we put this information in the minds of ourselves and of our audience and that feeds the collective consciousness. And so you, you got people that all of a sudden are going like, what, what was that? What chemtrails? What's a chemtrail? Because they're being fed by the super consciousness. We've got, we've, we've got all this stuff around us that's trying to make us do this, that and the other thing. Okay. But on the other side, on the metaphysical, on the etheric side, on the energy side, you're also connected to a consciousness 
that is changing, whether you know it or not. It's changing, and now it's got more information in it. It's not the same one that said, oh, yeah, our government is wonderful and every everybody's going to be taken care of and they're honest people. And, no, of course there's no evil and there is no uh, uh, reptilian uh, agenda and there's no Illuminati and the Fed is just a wonderful place. They give us our money. You know, all of that is gone. Some people are still carrying it in their their minds, in their their human 3D mind, but in the super consciousness, it's been shattered. There's just too much of us, too many of us that know the truth. And we care about the truth, so we put more and more energy into it. We keep thinking about it. We keep talking about it. And every time we do a radio show, whether there's anybody listening, including ourselves, the fact that we're out there doing it is feeding the super consciousness, which then in turn spills its its content into minds that are, for the most part, blank anyway. You know, they're just walking around doing whatever it is they're supposed to do, reacting. And, you know, so every time there's a pause, you know, the super consciousness sends them a little bit more information. Mm-hmm. And it's information that is causing them to wake up, whether or not they're on the Internet or not. So I don't see this stopping. Um, I think it would be, it's unnecessary. Right. You know, I just, it's like, you know, death and destruction and Armageddon, it's all unnecessary. Why, why, why do you want to go through that? Don't go through that. It's, you know, it's been done time and time and time and time again. Never works. Um, yeah, I think we're in a very exciting year. I think Whitley, so too. Yeah, Whitley calls it the year of awakening. I call it the year of common sense. <laughs> hmm. Because well, I don't that would think, be an awakening. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. You know, if you absolutely look at life, like, okay, if you actually study the Federal Reserve and the banking situation, you actually study it, understand it. You know, they make it complicated, but it's not that, it's not that bad once you get through it. You go, well, that doesn't even make sense. You know, you take my money, then you lend out my money, and you charge people for lending out my money. And charge you for giving them your money. Exactly. Does this make sense to anybody? (laughs) I don't think so. You know, so when you get down to the fundamentals of what is really out there, so that you can see the picture clear as day, you go, well, that's not good and that doesn't make any sense. Uh, the fact that we think we, we live in a government of a republic, we don't. It's a corporation. Mm-hmm. They have a DUNS number, which is an identification number so that you can be on the stock exchange. I've said this time and time again. The United States is is on the stock exchange. You can buy and sell it. And what has it got? It's got... The, the the main chief, the chief executive officer is Obama. The second one is Biden. The number of employees is the exact number of employees in the federal registry for federal employees. And what's the job? It's job or it's the federal government of the United States. It's a corporation. And once you see the information and you see it clear as day, you go, that's not right. No. You know? The 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 9-11 situation. Okay. These buildings came down in 11 seconds. You're talking about at least seven, 70 stories, seven zero stories that are falling. 
and they're hitting the one below it and causing a collapse of that one, and the one below it and collapse and blo- pancaking, they called it. I want you to clap your hands 70 times in 11 seconds. If you can, then there is a possibility that that story is true. I guarantee you cannot. Now, that's just damn common sense. If you can't clap your hands at the same time that it took for those buildings to go down, then they did not pancake. So there's a lot of things that if you just explain it in the basics, does it make sense? No, it doesn't. And that's why I say to get to the to the year of awareness, you have to have common sense. We have to be able to simplify this to the point that you can say, does that make any sense? And then all of a sudden, like, no, no, you know. Well, luckily, we're far enough that down the pike that we can... Um, actually have solutions. I mean, because one of the reasons that so many people initially don't want to hear this is because they don't know, they lose their, 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 their anchors, their, their moorings, you know, and all of a sudden it's, it's terrifying. You know, they can't, everything that they've been taught to believe is a lie. Mm-hmm. Well, where's that leave them? Mm-hmm. Well, thank God that we've gotten to a point that we can say, well, we know the solutions. Don't worry. Don't panic. It's okay. It's got to come down. You got to clear out a house before you can clean the house. And that's where we got to get to is clearing out the house. Right. Well, a lot of people don't know what the alternatives are. You know, when you start talking even something like well, let's say the economic, the financial system's going to fail. And people are just freaking out. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do for money? And you're going, well, you're going to have an alternative. You know? But people are so ingrained in, well, there's got to be money. You got to be able to buy stuff. You know? And it's just really hard. For them to get past that because their whole life has been, they've been taught you got to get an education so you can get a good paying job so you can buy a house and buy a car and pay your bills and buy everything that society tells you you need, you know, and to try and let them know that there's alternatives to that. You know, when you talk to them about you shouldn't have to pay for heating your house, you shouldn't have to pay for a place to live, you know, you shouldn't have to pay for food, you know. People just kind of freak out about that because it's so ingrained in them that, oh, my gosh, you got to work every single day so that you can do all these things. And you're going, do you really think that your whole purpose for being here is to work for somebody else so that you can buy, buy, buy until you die? That doesn't make sense. Well, the, the, it, using the same, uh, subject there, the, the banking system, there's really nothing wrong with the concept of fractional banking. 
where, you know, I put my money in, but they loan out the, you know, the vast majority of it. Like 10% of my money has to be on cash reserve in the bank, but 90% could be anywhere else in the world. That concept, as um, crazy as it sounds, it's not a bad concept. The problem is, is who's making the money off of that? It's 1% of 1% and people that don't really give a crap about me. So what's the solution? Well, you do exactly what North Dakota did. They just, the state owns the bank. The North, the Bank of North Dakota is owned by the state of North Dakota. So yes, it's fractional, uh, rent banking. So the citizen puts in their money and 10% of the money is, is in cash reserve. 90% of it goes out as loans. But who makes the money? The state does. Therefore, the citizen doesn't have to pay taxes. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's going back to the community. It's a community bank. And the bank itself, North Dakota, they give out loans to citizens and businesses that a typical bank would not take a chance on. But because it's community, the whole concept of it is a community way of maintaining stability in the economy by maintaining stability over the financial banking system, they will take a chance with people. And they don't lose very often. But the big banks don't want to because it looks like a risky, they've got, they don't want to make a risky, you know, choice. So there are already examples. North Dakota is not the only bank out there that does this. But there are so many examples of taking the same similar situation and just change who's in charge, who's making the money. And the, and the state is not inclined to, um, go into the illegal operations that these greedy one percenters of one percent want to do because there's no why. You know, it, it's a community. You're just screwing with your own customers. You can't do that. And there's a moral responsibility that comes with that kind of a concept that, no, we're all in this together and there's nobody that's making, we're not working for anybody else, we're working for ourselves, we're working for the community, for the state, to help the state grow. Because the bigger the state grows as far as economic stability, the less I have to pay in taxes, because it's all being paid by the loans themselves. So there are simple solutions that are available to us. The the concept of... um the pollution of the nuclear industry, which is as freaky as I guess the nuclear industry is just, I mean, they, I don't even want to go into it. And the oil companies and all that. You can, you can take away all the oil companies. You can stop digging. You can stop fracking. All you have to do is grow hemp. It's no major change to anything. You want to make a, a plastic water bottle? You use the same thing, but instead of using the petroleum product, you use the hemp product. Same process. It's just that you're replacing oil with hemp. No big change. You want to have um, your buildings, you want to make them uh, stop taking down the, the lumber and the, the trees and, 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 and the terrible things that happen when that occurs. Well, you grow hemp, and then you make hemp wood. does the same thing. Everything that wood can be can be used for, hemp can be used for instead. 
Same thing for cotton. Cotton ruins the fields. Put hemp in. You're going to have three hemp crops to one cotton crop, and the hemp is going to keep the soil clean and pure and healthy. The cotton is going to rob it. Hemp. And they make it illegal. Oh, by the way, it will also save your child from having, you know, a hundred seizures of the day. But they don't want us to know this. Well, oh, it, might it also cure cancer and blah, blah you know. Yeah, it'll they don't want that pharmaceutical stuff. company. Yeah. Uh, so the answers are simple. The answers are common sense. And, you know, I actually looked and I, I said, somebody's already done this. Um, and sure enough, I did find a study done on how much hemp you would have to make to replace the oil company. Mm-hmm. And um, it was like, oh, we don't have enough land. Well, yes, you do, because you can grow up. Mm-hmm. You can build buildings like parking lots that are really hemp farms. You don't have to have it on an acre of land. You can have an acre of land that's got a building on it that's got, you know, 15, 20 acres on top of that. Well, and think about how many farms are out there that the government pays them not to farm and how many farms out there that they can't plant, say, this year because the soil's so depleted. But if they were growing hemp, the hemp helps the soil, puts the nutrition back in the soil, so you can grow it all the time, and then you wouldn't have to be paid not to grow, you know? Well, it used to be that hemp was required, well, like in in, yeah. uh, in England, they used to require people that if they had X amount of farming land, X amount had to be growing hemp. Mm-hmm. Hemp was used to pay taxes for many, many decades after the Revolutionary War, mm-hmm. when the country first start got got going, because it is has I mean paper, <laughs> hemp paper will last a lot longer than you know lumber paper. It, it's it's just it's crazy, and these are just two examples. I mean, there the cars, you know, water cars are absolutely viable. Mm-hmm. It's hydrogen, it's oxygen. Hydrogen and oxygen are put in two different uh, spherical tanks on the shuttle, and then when they mix, they explode and they send the shuttle to the moon, or the shuttle to the to orbit. Okay? It's the same concept. You take something that breaks down the oxygen and hydrogen in the water as gases, and then you put them into a environment where they explode, pushing a piston that pushes your engine. There's nothing very complicated about this, but it gets complicated when you are assassinating the people that are trying to build this. Mm-hmm. And we have dozens of examples of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so none of these, none of these things are even remotely problems once you look at them. But the biggest solution is the fact that there is a breakaway civilization. There's a civilization living out there in a Star Trek universe. And the powers that have got them under control are keeping those people from, in some cases, not they don't even know that Earth is still around. That's how weird it's gotten out there. But if this is true, and I have no reason to suspect it's not true, I have to believe that those people that are off-world 
are missing something. They're missing an energy connection to Gaia. It's weak. Their hearts are weak. They're not in good condition. And when they finally wake up, and that's why I think that in in this thought warfare, it's not just a matter of, um, well, let's go free the djinn or let's get rid of the black goo. I think that we have to, to reach out to the minds of everybody else that's human and say, wake up. I love you. Wake up. You know, and if we can just work at that level to put out blessings to all of the, all of our fellow mankind and say, wake up. We're here. We're, we're one people. They're trying to keep us separated. It's not working. It's falling apart. Wake up. It's okay. Wake up. To me, that's, that, that's where we have to, that, at least that's where I know that I have to go in my own mind, is to work more concertedly with just reaching out telepathically, etherically, okay, to other people. I mean, yes, I think it's a great example and exercise what you're doing, but I also say, look, it's real in a in a very fundamental way that you can do this to every single human being out there. Send your thoughts out and say, wake up. Everything is fine. We need to come together. You know, put that image out there. Because if one out of ten picks it up, you just made a major windfall. Yep. I think you're right. So it's 8.54 on January 5th. It's going to be an interesting year. Yes, it is. We started out really, really well. And I think it can only go uphill. From where we're starting. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm, I've been, I've noticed this, uh, well, Dottie wrote that her, uh, niece's two month old baby just died. Mm-hmm. And my heart goes out to your family, Dottie. I mean, that, that's such a tough one. Yeah. But the reality is, is that we don't understand, none of us, all the intricacies of of why somebody comes and why somebody leaves and why somebody only comes for a little bit. But my, uh, how, he's, he would be my nephew, his son, had tremendous number of physical ailments and wasn't given but a few months to live. And that little boy continued to survive. And the people that he touched in that very limited I think he I think he may have lived to be almost two years old. In that short lifetime, the people that he touched were changed forever. I never met him. Talon his name was. I never met him. Um but the people that he touched just were changed. So sometimes it doesn't take but a very short visit before that spirit 
needs to go again, but they leave something behind. Um, it's it's just such a a, a difficult thing, Dottie, and and I I do feel so bad for your family, but you know he you don't you just don't know about these things. It's a tough one. Yeah, that it is. And she had uh, lost a baby about a year before, about a year ago, and then got pregnant again. And uh, so she's had it really tough. Yeah, that really is difficult. Yeah. My, I ask, had the baby just had a vaccination because they said it was a crib death and I think a lot of those crib deaths are caused from vaccinations. Well, don't they vaccinate them in the hospital now? Oh, yeah. They get shots in the hospital and then at six weeks and then I don't know when the next one is after that. But... uh and that, you know, they put a lot of vaccinations all together in one shot these days. And some children don't have any problems with them. Other children's do. And also, you know, the mercury that's in them. Because I remember uh, when my twins were being vaccinated, uh, they must have been about two I noticed that the nurse did not shake up the bottle before she stuck the needle in to draw out the serum or whatever the hell it is. Uh, and I said, no, don't give him that shot. And she said, why? I said, you didn't shake that up. And she went, oh, you're right, I didn't. Wow. Yeah. So I'm wondering how many children get a shot that they don't shake the bottle up. And where exactly is that mercury? Is it all in the bottom of that bottle? So what if your kid's getting a big shot of, you know, the mercury that's in there? And this was a pediatrician, a highly recommended local pediatrician. Yeah, because they only take, it's not, not one vial, one shot. It's like they keep taking out of the same vial. And if she hadn't shook it, wow, that's just scary as hell. Yeah. You know, and how many other kids did she not shake that bottle with? Yeah. And thank God you noticed it and said something. And you had the gumption to say something. Oh, yeah. You know, because I was just like, because I noticed on the bottle, that's, I could see well then, that it said shake before using, and I went, you didn't shake that. You know, uh-huh. it's like, you're not giving them that one. So what'd she do, put the shot back in it and shake it? Uh, she threw the needle away and shook it up and then drew more out. So yeah. you still don't know what you got. Yeah, because like I said, you don't know how many times there's pulling out of that bottle you don't know how many times they don't shake it and so what's in the bottom of that you know that your kid's getting wow 
Well, we're at the top of the hour. Sorry to end on that point, but boy, my God. Um, again, sorry, so sorry, Dolly. Uh, my condolences to the family, and I know that Colleen feels the same. Yeah. And um, hopefully Walt will be with us next week. We are a um, supporter. Your, it's your donations and your membership so that you can get into the archives that keeps us going. And the archive is only uh, $5 membership a month, but you have to renew every month. If you go back and you're not, you can't get in, it's because you need to do it monthly. It's not a reoccurring charge that, you know, Wolf Spirit makes against you. You can find um, my website, CosmicReality.net. We are here every Tuesday to... Uh, tomorrow we're going to have um, friends of Whitley Streber, and he's he, he has some really good shows. If if you if you're around between three and six, you know, give us a listen because we play his shows, and um, then we discuss what we've heard. Uh, right after this show, Colleen is going to do the telepathy thing, and hopefully you'll participate in that. We all we can do is try, see what happens. And following that will be Haggy Reads for you. What are you reading? Uh, I'm reading Practical Witchery by John uh, Storm, Part 3. Very good. Mm-hmm. Good. And then following that, we've got... Um, uh, follow... Uh, huh? Dolly Reads for you. Is that a repeat? Uh, no, not tonight. Following that will be the Say What, a replay oh. of Say What with me, you, Dolly... Barb and Robert. Yeah, and if you missed that one and you can stay up for it, that was a very unique show. Oh, yeah, and Robert was in the chat room again today, so that's... Good, good, good. Yeah. I'm so glad. I'm so we didn't glad. scare him off or anything. Well, he he was very courageous. He came on with four women, <laughs> and he had something he wanted to get across, but I guess he had a secondary reason which was to um his 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 situation is like so many other people's situations and we just tried to give him some insight and i think that the insight that that he got from all of us just because we've been out there longer um must have been helpful i, I can't imagine that it wasn't especially dolly <laughs> <laughs> because he kept, he kept fighting it. You know, that, that, that was so interesting. When, when, when Barbara and I were trying to, you know, really get him to focus on, don't leave the, leave the, the, the stuff that you've got, the garbage that you've carried with you because of your, the past, your childhood and everything else. Leave that behind and get into the present because that's the PowerPoint. He kept fighting it and fighting it and fighting it. And so finally I said, Dolly, why don't you talk to him? And she just like, hey, kid, <laughs> she's probably older than her. Hey, you know, let me, let, you don't talk until I ask you a question and then you give me the answer and just the answer. <laughs> she was so good. But it made him focus. Well, it's like I said, um, he was just so excited to have somebody who would listen to him. Yeah. You know, because you start talking about this stuff to a lot of people and they don't want to hear it because that's just all crazy or that's just evil or, you know, blah, 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 blah. And he was just so excited to finally have someone that he could talk to about it. But people tuned in to 
because this, because he had no one that would listen to him about it, I think that there were other issues that developed because nobody was willing to listen that he needed to deal with first. Yes, yes. And it happens to everybody. Yeah. I mean, if you're out there by your, yourself and you've got nobody that will even listen to you, you're alone. Mm-hmm. You know, and at least we, we, we not only listen, but we, we talk and we share, we share things that we probably wouldn't share with our own family, mm-hmm. but we'll share with our wolf spirit family mm-hmm. because we are a family. It's, you know, it's that old concept. You pick your friends, but you know, your family's another situation. People get drawn here and it's, it's Dave's image of what could be mm-hmm. that keeps them coming. So, um, yeah, Dottie, it's Dottie, not Dolly. I'm saying Dolly because to be honest with you, I misread that. Wow. It's Dottie that had the, had the niece die. Dottie, my condolences. I'm so sorry. I, I it was my eyes, though, because now that I see the TT and the L, I go, oh, gosh, you know, yeah. I, my apologies. You should have corrected me. Well, you were on a roll. I thought I'd wait. <laughs> <laughs> I'm easily corrected. <laughs> well, it is, as you say, top of the hour. Yeah. And uh, I think that what I'm going to do while I'm focusing on what I'm focusing on is put on a piece of music before we get into... Practical witchery. I mean, music after your outro. Okay. Um, I'm pulling something up there in its place. <laughs> so, I thank you. I thank you, and I thank the audience. And um, be safe. We'll see you Wednesday, hopefully. And we've got Friday uh, things happening, and Saturday things happening. So, please make us your, you know, at least a temporary home through the week so that we can just stay connected because we might lose the internet. We have to develop telepathy. (laughs) Yes. Love you. We do. Good night. night. Love you. You have been listening to the Cosmic Reality Radio Show. Produced by Cosmic Reality Radio. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Cosmic Reality Radio. We appreciate your support. Please visit our sponsor at mysticalwares.com for our huge selection of metaphysical products, gifts, candles, incense, and one of the largest Shungite collections available. Cosmic Reality Radio is sponsored by Mystical Wares Online Store, where coupon code SAVE10 will get you 10% off your entire order at mysticalwares.com. <laughs>